Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Everything Kratom, the podcast about anything and everything Kratom. Great to have you with us on this Wednesday morning or afternoon. Hoping all's well with you out there today. And I'm doing well because we have a very special guest. We have James Jones, who's the master brewer at Botanical Brewing Company. And so he's got some insight into kava and kratom. And I'm sure a whole bunch of other things that will be useful for me because I don't know like anything about kava. And I've always wanted to learn more about it. And I know like next to nothing. So... This is going to be a good education for me, and I'm excited. I hope you are too. And one quick note before I start the show here, we have between Everything Kratom and Botanical Brewing Company, no partnership or existing connection or anything. So this is not a sponsorship episode. This is just a conversation. And with that, on with the show. So uh, a few years back, about six years ago, I found Kava and Kratom um when i actually quit drinking for a while um i couldn't quit smoking cigarettes until i gave up alcohol and i basically gave up everything and you know somebody was like oh you know let's go meet up at the kava bar because dating and not having drinks is kind of weird it's awkward at least back (laughs) then especially it was now people are more understanding like oh kava what is this stuff let's check it out but you know back then it was just a very new thing for me and somebody wanted to meet up over there so i checked it out and it did wonders for my anxiety um, you know, I was very nervous, you know, meeting somebody for the first time, all that, and dealing with anxiety on a regular basis. I, you know, I, I normally just kind of deal with it and go with it. And having this massive relief, getting halfway through a kava drink um, uh, the first time, it just, it felt this like this weight was lifted off my shoulders. And that's when I knew that there was something awesome there. Um, and I would drive. 40 minutes every day that I wanted to go down there just to get to this kava bar, not knowing that there was one 10 minutes up the road from the same company. Um, it was actually kava culture, which is part of our, of the company that I'm with now at this time. Um, so I would drive all the way to Benita, not realize, not even put in a Google search and be like, Oh, there's one downtown Fort Myers. And really I just kind of stumbled in it from there. And I met one of the sisters and we talked about doing a little secret shopping, stuff like that um, to keep their, their, their levels up, making sure everybody's on par and then i met the other sister and we started working on that but uh i was actually jacqueline's trainer there's caroline and jacqueline caroline i met first jacqueline i became her trainer and i was doing her nutrition coaching and she i guess saw something in me but by the way i was you know speaking about nutrition and talking science of of how the body works and everything and she's like i think you might be able to help us figure this out because they wanted to be able to do what we do now but they didn't know how to get it there how to make it how to make it happen so i was like sure Literally, I was like, I'll come in, check it out. And it literally just took coming in and trying and, you know, basically working with something I never did and using the science that I understood and looking up other things and trial and error. Um, There was a little bit of error in the beginning, you know, like this will work, this won't work. Some flavors that were absolutely horrible, you know, but um, it it actually happened pretty smoothly, pretty fast. So we ended up starting about two weeks before COVID um, and then the lockdown happened and we had the option to, or they gave me the option. They said, you know, look, we can't pay for a brewer because we're locked down right now. Our bars are making way less money than they were before. um, And, you know, we just can't keep throwing money out there because this is just up and up and going. They're like, if you want to be a common tender, 
you can go and competent and then brew while you're doing that because it's going to be pretty slow. And I'm like, deal. I'll absolutely do that. I was still having my other job, only having to do a few days a week. And I came in, did that, and we made it happen. And by the time we got out of lockdown, uh, we had quite a few recipes perfected. We were able to crank out production in a small little space, no more than about 10 by 15 feet. Um, and I was able to put out enough kegs to supply all the bars that we had at that time, which at that time was like seven bars. Uh, we've yet since we've grown, you know, to over two times that amount. Um, and we just started cranking and we looked at it and we're like, we need to have a new facility. We need a brewery. We luckily found the one that we're in right now. And, you know, the rest is kind of history. We've been rocking and rolling ever since. We're now outgrowing this one. <laughs> so we're <laughs> wow. we're looking for twenty to 30,000 square feet at this point. Wow, that's insane. What was the first figure you said? <laughs> the first, uh, the first figure feet. was about 10 by 15 feet. Our current facility is around 3,000 square feet that we use for production for for the uh, combination of production and storage of materials and finished products, about 3,000 square feet, maybe maybe a hundred or two over that. Um, but we're looking to have 20 to 30,000 square feet. Wow. Okay. So I'm filled with questions. Um, <laughs> I mean, like that's an insane growth in a short amount of time. I'm not a business person. Um and also, like, for full disclosure for anyone listening, there's no partnership with the company and the podcast at whatsoever. So with all that in mind, that's insane growth. <laughs> and, um, like, what what do you attribute that to? It it, it seems like the non-alcohol movement is a huge factor. Um, but, like, yeah, just from your perspective, what, how is that possible? <laughs> so the alcohol alternative market is growing exponentially. Um, you know, and I would say it's, it's almost greater than the average exponential growth. I kind of like to think about it like the big bang, you know, there was a vacuum out there. So it grew even faster than normal exponential numbers. It just literally is exploding out there because the more people that try it, the more people realize that they don't have to wake up feeling lethargic. You know, um, a lot of people don't realize how horrible they feel the day after just having a few glasses of wine or a few beers or whatever. Mm. until they cut it out once they cut it out and then they have something else where they just don't have as much or so then they realize like hey i feel so much better now i'm not saying don't drink at all everybody has their thing every once in a while i have a few drinks but i sure as heck feel it the next day and every time i do it i just want to do it less um mm. so it's it's because of that um and just the more people that find out the more people talk about it um so it just grows rapidly it grows exponentially and then some because there is such a vacuum in the market right now there is this massive void where there is you know very little back pressure that is holding it and it really is just exploding onto the market and um because of that because of people wanting to feel a little better and, and really just you know getting just enough attention to where it's it's waking people up it's opening their eyes to options um you know it's like you don't know you know, what you have out there until you really know what's out there. And then you're like, okay, let me check this out. Because if you don't know what exists, how are you going to go after it? So it's literally just the education. It's more people talking about it, more people finding it. And the more people that talk about it and find it, the more people get to learn, you know, again. So, yeah. Yeah, that it's just, it's pretty strange, like the space that Kratom and Kava, and there's a few other things that occupy this weird in-between space where, 
you'll come across the word if you're not like entrenched in the world of kratom or kava for instance you'll you'll come across it here and there but it's not well known the regulation isn't quite clear i'm less familiar with the regulation on kava but it, it doesn't seem like it's it's you know it still seems like a gray area in some way um what what's it, what is the the situation with it like legally is a little bit more lax than Kratom is. Kratom, you know, it got a bad rap right off the bat. And Big Pharma, I would think, is the one who kind of probably knocked it down a little bit. But, you know, who knows? I don't want to get blacklisted, so I won't talk too much about that. But, um, you know, it got a bad rap. So Kava really is more so like, you know, the quiet, I'd say, sister of of that <laughs> alcohol tournament family. Um, and uh, really, I mean, Kava is just, it's... I don't know. It's a, uh, it, it's, it's a beautiful plant. Um, the way that it, it works, it basically works like, uh, it works on the same receptors as alcohol for the most part. So that's why a lot of people mm -hmm. will substitute it for alcohol. Um, and, uh, it really, um, it, it just didn't get as much of a, a hit because people didn't, you know, hear about it. You know, when people hear negative stuff, it grows faster. Um, but it's still growth. So it opens people's eyes up to it. And then at some points it kind of slows it down. Like it gets people scared. Kava didn't get all that. So it didn't get the same growth. And because of that, it doesn't have as much of, um, a regulatory status, although that is starting to happen. We're starting to see a little bit of it. Um, there are other countries that have regulated a lot more, um, and uh, really, there are some countries that they basically banned it. And then now they're looking at the new science like, wait, it doesn't actually have these negative side effects we thought because we used to think that it had all these negative side effects in the liver. All the new studies coming out show that it doesn't, um, that the past studies were adulterated product or product that was contaminated with parts of the plant that weren't supposed to be processed. Because with kava, you just want the root. You don't want any of the stems or the leaves or anything like that for this process. Hmm. And if you get the stems and the leaves in there, which they 99.999% of the time avoid and are able to stay away from, they, you know, you have a clean product. Um, so really the stigma that was around it in some other countries is starting to lift up. And, um, you know, it's starting to get a little bit of regulation here in the States. Um, at this point now, it's becoming a thing where it needs to be a supplement fact instead of a nutrition fact. Um, mm -hmm. Kratom has a little bit more of a regulation to it. They're definitely starting to, you know, put requirements in place. You know, the 21 plus in most states, um, they're about to change it to where they're, you know, you have to disclose exactly how much metragenine and 7-hydroxymetragenine is in it as well, which I think is great. Um, I think the more a customer knows, the more that a consumer knows about the product that they're putting in their body, the better the industry will be. Because the worst thing that can happen to you is a surprise of not knowing how much you take. You know, more people are probably familiar with, they took an edible and they didn't realize how strong it was. They didn't realize what their tolerance was. And once you're locked mm -hmm. in, you're locked in with that. Um, Kratom, thankfully, is a little bit more forgiving. Um, you know, if you have a little bit too much you're going to vomit like if you had too much alcohol and then you kind of go back to normal for the most part, unless you really overdo it. But there's some products out there, extract concentrates, you know, the super, super strong extracts um, that, you know, they need to be toned down just a little bit, in my opinion, um, because, you know, people that don't know, get a hold of these, they start drinking them, drinking them, and they might only be able to have a little bit at first, but the more that they can have at one time, the higher their tolerance goes up. And then that's where it becomes that factor. Like, you know, do you really want to be pushing that kind of a limit? We think that, you know, less is more having enough to have the benefits 
um, but not overdoing it. That's why we do create them like we do. Um, we keep it very clean. We stick to the original process of crushed leaf uh, brewing, like it was traditionally done in Indonesia. And, you know, we manufacture it like that. Um, in our bars, you'll still see powder drinks as well as crushed leaf. Uh, but all of our pre-made stuff is made from um, traditional crushed leaf. And it's brewed in a way that basically keeps the 7-hydroxy lower. The metragenine is at its normal levels. So it's a great um, product for everybody, whether they're a beginner or they're a longtime consumer. Thank you for that comprehensive breakdown of all of that. And it, I feel like I, I'm always curious, wondering, like, I, Kava, why is I'm maybe we won't get into this because I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm interested in like why, why Kava isn't as much of a target. Um, it, not that why is Kratom more is just like, why isn't Kava if it's so effective at, in, in similar I mean, ways sometimes. Knock on wood, it doesn't get um, targeted too hard because, you know, the government likes to overdo things sometimes. Um, I definitely think there should be regulation on it, just like anything that you consume. There should be a little bit of oversight, just not too much. Um, but I, I don't think it gets as much just because um, it doesn't have some of the same properties. So like being that there is a um, a lot of people seek it for the relief of pain with Kratom, um, you know, there's that can be damaging to the pharmaceutical industry, you know, because, you know, if they need if they can use that in place of an opiate, then they don't need them as much, you know, using that stuff right, using Kratom properly. You know, a lot of people have had great success stepping back from other things that they're dependent on. And, um, you know, because of that, Kratom's gotten a little more scrutiny. Kava, it it probably hasn't gotten as much because it's really it's the alcohol industry that it's pushing back against. And really, the alcohol industry is such a long um, driven economy that it's really hard to break people of that habit as to where the pharmaceutical industry is relatively new compared to alcohol. I mean, alcohol has been around thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So we've been consuming it as people for a long, long time. Um, it's basically ingrained in our DNA to want to go and have a beer with a friend uh, to do these things. And, um, you know, opiates are not as deeply seated in our DNA and our tradition, um, except in the few areas and few regions where that had been a plant for a long, long time. So really, you know, it's it's more of that effect, I think, um, that basically hasn't made Kava the target because, you know, they don't really see it as as big of a threat. And really, it's it's um, in its properties. It's not like something that you're going to overdo or become physically dependent on. You're not going to become physically dependent on a Kava lactone. It's just not going to happen. The science is showing that it has no physical dependency whatsoever. Even with Kratom, it's very, very hard to become physically dependent, especially if you're responsible. It's only when you get into the high, high extracts um, and taking massive dosages on them on a regular basis, then you can become a little bit dependent on it. But it's not going to be anywhere like the addictive properties of opiates where you're going to go through a very extreme withdrawal. So I think those are the main factors why Kratom is regulated harder and Kava is not as regulated. Mm. It makes That's sense. In my to me. Yeah, no, I think that makes perfect sense. And the, al the alcohol component as well, like it, I, it's obvious now, but I didn't even think about that when I was asking the question. Um, what? With all that in mind, who who is it that's like coming in to get it, to get Kava and to get Kratom? And, and is there like as this expansion is happening and you guys are really like hitting this 
this i don't know if niche is the right word because it seems like it's bigger than like a niche it seems like it's just kind of like a market but like as you're kind of filling this space um are you seeing any shifts shifts from like people going more towards kava or more towards kratom or kind of like half of everyone that comes in is taking is like asking for both and half of them are just asked for one you know just interested to hear like who is it who is it that walks in the door you might have to bring me back a couple of those questions too, because, um, but uh, yeah, so it, I would say it started out as a niche market, but it's becoming a very broad market because we see a lot of everybody in here. You know, we have the crowd that's 18 to 25 that, you know, they're just looking for something different. They don't want to fall into the same habits as their parents did. Um, but then you have a lot of people that are um, business professionals that they want somewhere to come and hang out and work, be able to have something that's relaxing um, or something that's going to help them to focus or whatever it might be to be able to drink. They don't want to sit in a bar setting or whatever. And, you know, sitting at Starbucks all day long really is just not most people's thing, but a uh, very welcoming environment like we create at Kava Culture and Botanical Brewing Company. Um, it, it just sets this ability for people that are business people that work from home, work remotely, whatever, or they have breaks throughout the day. We get a lot of real estate agents. They'll pop in and they'll just set up and they'll make their calls. They'll do their computer work. And then they're able to go about their day, but still be able to enjoy it, not feeling like they're stuck in the office. But then we also get, you know, people that are retired coming in here, just looking for um, a different social aspect, looking for a little bit of relief of symptoms. They're just, you know, it's really a broad mix of everyone coming in at first you know you would see a lot of the younger crowd and you'd see you know a few of the people that are you know 20s 30s 40s and then a couple people that were over 50 and 60 but honestly it's become a really big mix of everyone and it just kind of depends like city to city um it could be younger or older demographic it really just depends um you know each each one of our locations pulls in a slightly different demographic because each city is slightly different but in the broad spectrum it's everyone it's absolutely everyone's coming in and that's why it's gone from being more of a niche market to a very broad spectrum market um because you know people are just waking up and they're they're seeing that there's something else i i just from my perspective from doing this show for a few years now the audience that like the data that i get from spotify for instance or apple Podcasts or wherever it is um or wherever you get your podcast. No, the the data is like a perfect bell curve. Like the people who are listening to this show and and listen to this average guy, random guy rambling about Kratom every day um, is a perfect up and down bell curve throughout an age spectrum. And I've always found that fascinating that no matter what the platform is, um, you can see the difference, like whether or not they're using iPhones to listen or, or a computer, for instance, but it is like 20 to 30 40 to 45 or 40 to 50, 50 to 60, 60 to 70. It's like, it's like a perfect curve. So it really does hit like every, every aspect of the age group. And um, I, I limit it. So I don't get anyone under 21. Um, but, or at least I, I, that's what the rules are supposed to show. But um, I don't know if anyone's listening who's under that age group or how much interest there is there. But, um, but I think that along those lines, like with the, with the, you seem like you agree with the age restriction, on that aspect and and with kcpas the Crime consumer protection acts are there any aspects of those protection acts that you think um make make it i guess not 
not in an ideal environment for the business, but like, I, I already understand you guys care about the safety and everything. So it's not like that angle. I'm more just wondering, like, is there any aspect that you think could be improved in the general approach? Because it seems like they're trying to do a KCPA in every state following the same framework. And does that make sense or does it not make sense? I guess would be my question. It definitely makes sense in some aspects. Um, I agree with age regulations to a certain extent. Personally, I think that it should be the it should be at eighteen, and but it should be regulated for the amount that's in each. Or eighteen. And the reason I that apologize. they regulated I said I meant eighteen. Sorry. Yeah, but it's fine. The reason that they said twenty one is just because they didn't overly push for the regulation of the total quantity of seven hydroxymetragenine as well as metragenine um, per per product. Um, Really, as long as people are responsible about it, I think it's better that the the younger crowd has access to it because it keeps them away from going down that path of drinking when, you know, they shouldn't be drinking. Um, you know, you're still truly developing in the brain. And we know alcohol is a, um, a neurotoxin and it really inhibits the final development stage of your brain when you consume it at that age. Plus, you know, alcohol is going to impair you to the point where you're going to get in a car accident if you're driving. You're going to have something go wrong. You're going to wreck your life. And if you just had something else like Kratom, um, that you might not have put yourself in that kind of situation. So I really kind of, I, I kind of sigh a little bit at the fact that we got to 21, but you know, at least it does help a little bit because they didn't do the other. Now, if they were to repeal that part and put in the other in place, I would be ecstatic because I, I think it's the levels more than anything that should be um, regulated. Um, and that's, that's the main thing. It should be on the label and it should be regulated. And I, I do think that each state should have that um, because it really, it protects the consumer, but it also protects the company as well that's making it. You know, they might look at it like, oh, they're tying my hands. But really, if you have a good guideline set in place, there's not going to be as much room for people to have something happen to where people overdo it and they get sick and then, you know, they're, then they're taking something else with it and they shouldn't be, you know, if you have an extremely potent product and you're taking something with it, it shouldn't be more, more likely something's going to happen. Um, it's not necessarily that there's going to be this massive, you're not going to keel over from it, but you know, if you're taking this and then you're making a dumb decision, you're taking that and then you do too much Kratom on top of it, you might fall asleep and you're not putting yourself in a good position. So regulating the amount, I think, is the biggest thing for me. Um, and, you know, just making sure that it's a clean source product, that there isn't, you know, the the very strict guidelines of the solvents um, that are used and um, something that you're consuming, that the levels be, I think that the tolerable level should be lowered um, on that. It's not that it's at an unsafe amount right now, but I believe that any amount is an unsafe amount, personally. Mm. Um, and that's pretty much it, honestly. I think that as long as we, you know, come together and put a good guidelines in place for the total amount of 7-hydroxy, um, as well as the other um, alkaloids and kratom, um, that that's more than enough. Just making sure that the labels look good and are, you know, easy to understand for the consumer, you know, just education. Um, that's the biggest thing that the um, Consumer Protection Act can provide for us, um, for both the consumer and the company, because really it is for everyone. It's not just protecting the customer, because if something happens and it looks bad on everybody else, then they come down on top of you and then they take away more of your rights and abilities to do things. We don't want that. We want people to have a great um, 
outlet for what they need for their symptoms, for whatever their reason, their cause for wanting to have this box. Yeah, I, I've always like, I, I feel like the KCPA has gotten a bad rep from people, from some people who say that it's like not actually good, like helping the consumer because it's just like encouraging more use. And then I hear people say it's not actually, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's to make it so that the companies have to adhere to strict guidelines. And then someone else says, no, it's not for the consumers. It's for the companies so that they can just make a bunch of money and it's all, it doesn't, yeah. I, I've never thought it yeah. opened up. Right. But the, the seven hydroxy thing has been interesting to learn about for me because I, from what I can tell, that's kind of the key player when it comes to anything sketchy other than, you know, the other things like salmonella, dark market stuff, but like yes. when it comes to seven hydroxy, that seems to be, if you're making an extract of that, that might actually be dangerous for sure. But, but that seems to be the thing. Well, so there's other alkaloids at play too, that they're finding out that they don't want to be isolated because, um, and I personally think that there should be, it should stick to the natural broad spectrum that is contained within the alkaloids and the plant um, that isolating just one alkaloid for specific usage um, that should be, you know, kind of regulated. And if they're going to isolate it, there still has to be a little bit of the other ones and the total amount shouldn't be past a certain amount, just because when you isolate something, you're getting that one specific trait. And that's what, that's when it becomes easy to overdo it because it's super right. strong and it's just really not something that, you know, is going to put a good name for, for the kratom industry, for the consumer's, um, uh, own health. Um, you know, they're not going to die from it, but sure is going to heck and make them sick if they're taking a lot of 7-hydroxy or a lot of one single isolated alkaloid. Um, they're just going to get nauseous and they're not going to enjoy their time. And most likely they're not going to continue to consume it. So it just really kind of dings the market and it really isn't the best thing to put out there. But there is uh, definitely, you know, concern for people um, just working on things for profit. You know, here we make things a specific way because we're in business, obviously, to make money, but we're in business to do it the right way. We use clean label ingredients. We do things in a way that the levels are safe. They're great for everybody. They're not over the top. You're not going to get sick having two drinks. Um, you know, it's it's something that it, whether, you're, like I said, you're entry level or you're a longtime consumer that you can have. Um, you can always boost it with a, having a, a shot of Kratom or something like that, of like a powdered Kratom or crushed leaf Kratom, if you want to have a little bit more. Um, it's just, there's ways to do it that are a lot better for the consumer. And there's ways to do it that you just basically want people coming back to buy your product. And I'm honestly all about protecting uh, the consumer because without them, we don't have an industry. Without them, we're not helping anybody. Well said, and and I feel like it's a unique situation where you have the primary push to keep a product uh, legal, and if you want to put it in this general sense, uh, like you know, accessible, um, not illegal. That the primary push is like very well, maybe like fifty percent or more or less coming from the actual businesses that you know, even a free market economy, quote unquote, you would think they wouldn't want any regulation. And, and it, but this is just like one of the situations where it's being driven, the regulation is being driven by the, the companies in a lot of ways. So I've always found that interesting, uh, just about the whole situation. Well, and the aspect of that, if 
if we push for regulations on what we're doing, showing that we do care about the consumer, showing that we do want to make sure that it's safe for the consumer, it's less likely that they are going to attempt to continue to take it away from us. You know, they want to take it away from us. That's that the FDA, if they had their their way, um, they would have taken it away from us. We actually were protected by the DEA at one point. You know, they were like, no, we're not going to go in and, and go after these people um, because it's your laws that you're putting forth aren't really making sense. They're not backed. Um, and they really got shut down. And that's why they haven't really been able to do a whole lot. You know, the they only like see stuff at the border because they try to ban it from coming in. But really, you know, that's obviously not effective. Um, they need to just regulate it properly and then it, it has a thing. But um, it's, I don't know, it's just really interesting that the way that they go about it. But as long as we have that in place, as long as we have stuff in place to protect the consumer, then it keeps it safe. So then they don't have to try to take it away from us. So, you know, it's just, it's trying to do the right thing and protect the customer, like I said, protect the consumer. And that way they don't try to take it because they will, if we, if we, if it was a wild, wild west though, of Kratom, like it was five, six, seven years ago. Um, and we still had it like that. They would have even more ammunition to take it away from us. You know, that's, it's just that plain and simple. So we want the regulations because this will protect us as a business and in the long run, protect our consumers as well. Um, yeah, and the, the, I remember that was the first time I even, I started using Kratom in 2011, but in 2016 when they attempted that ban is when I started paying attention to it like just as a grander issue than just I take this thing now and then. Um, wait, there's actually some sort of like community around this. And there's also some sort of push to make it not a thing like what? And then um, around the World Health Organization, you know, he hearing about Kratom and trying to decide whether or not to do a critical review of it in 2021 is like right when I started this show and and was part of the, the thing that prompted it. Um, it's like these phases and cycles of like targeting, I guess. Um, I... The, the other thing I wanted to ask you and um, and whatever else you feel like talking about before I let you go is um, uh, what is your process like? Like, and is there different, what are there different types of kava? I know very little about kava. Yeah, so kava uh, is the root from a plant from the South Pacific. It goes every, it grows everywhere from, you know, all through the Hawaiian Islands, Fiji, Vanuatu, Solomon Islands, anywhere in the Pacific Islands, for the most part, it grows um, all the way over to parts of Australia and whatnot. Um, and it's the root of the plant that's harvested. They let it grow. The longer it grows, the better it is. The higher the concentration of kava lactones, the more, you know, evolved the flavors are in the kava itself. Um, so preferably roots that are five to eight years old are going to be those prime roots and the older it is the stronger it is so when they get to seven eight years old that's going to be the high grade premium kava that we carry in our locations um, but there's many different types every different soil structure out there um, and every different climate all these different factors which we call terrors um, of an environment it's just like the the grape uh, the wine industry you know every little bit together creates a terror so all the terrors that everything is grown on all these environments are different um, and from the soil to the to the air everything and it creates a different um, finished product and then there's also different varieties of kava which also led to it 
So if you go to Fiji, you're going to have kava and it's going to be smooth. It's going to be, you know, a little bit peppery. It's going to have a little bit more of a tanginess. You go to Solomon mm. Islands, it's going to be extremely peppery. You go over to Vanuatu, it's going to be strong, but it's going to be really smooth, kind of velvety, almost a little milky wow. compared to the others. You know, it's all different compared to, you know, it's, it's all different depending on where it comes from. Um, what we use in our products currently um, is a kava isolate. So they isolate the kava lactones um, and then they basically dry it and create a powder out of it. So this way it's, it's um, shelf stable, very water soluble. Um, we have a special mixing process that we grow, go through to make it as water soluble and bioavailable as possible. Um, and we infuse that into our beverages. We have a whole mixing tank set up and everything goes in there, goes through its special mixing process and goes down the line. The only difference with the Kratom is it goes through its special time and temperature steeping process, preparation of the leaf and everything. But then the rest of it is the same as to where it all gets put into the mixing tank. All the ingredients are mixed together. It has its allotted mixing time. And then it goes through a filtration process. It goes through a multi-phase filtration process to where it gets all the way down to 0.5 microns, cleaning out any debris, any sediment, any fiber from any of the fruit juices we use because we use all natural juices. Um, most of them are organic. And then we use all natural flavors. We don't just, we're not like a seltzer company, like 98% of the other Calvin Creative products out there. We use actual juices that so that way it doesn't have just a smell to the taste. It has an actual body to the taste. Um, and once it goes in the tank, it's ready to go. We carbonate it up and then we push it out in the cans or kegs. Um, but uh, yeah, for kava, you know, we use the highest quality premium kava isolate um, as of right now. I'm working on other processes to create other forms of kava that aren't currently really available in the market. Um, we saw something that existed like it years back, but for some reason it disappeared. People weren't making it. Um, I don't know if it was a difficulty or what, but uh, I'm using that science and using that to create something newer um, that is gonna be very, very bioavailable, make it the best tasting kava with having the best effects. Um, and uh, I'm excited to be able to bring that to the market hopefully within the next year or so. Um, but yeah, we, we, that's how we do our kava and our kratom. We also do kanas um, and then delta eight and delta nine. Unfortunately, delta eight is going to be going away here soon because the Florida regulations just came down and I think it's June or July. They're basically taking away delta eight um, oh, and just really? keeping delta nine. Yeah, unfortunately, mm. you know, that I, I think it means that recreational is probably coming. Let's fingers crossed that that's actually the case. And then you know, we'll be able to come out with full lines of, of cannabis related products. Um, but it's honestly, for me, it's fine because once we get rid of Delta eight, that just brings room for me to make more Kana drinks um, and more Delta nine drinks or more creative drinks, whatever. Um, because right now we have a limited capacity until we move into that bigger place. So when I get rid of the eights, I just move out to something else. Um, <laughs> but Kana right now is the new hot thing. And it is, it's beautiful. Um, I can't necessarily talk about all of the benefits of it because, you know, we can't make certain claims, but mm -hmm. it's spelled K-A-N-N-A. -N -N -A. Um, check it out. It's a, it's a beautiful empathogenic compound from South Africa. It gives you this um, empathetic feeling towards everything. It, basically, you have a little bit of kana and, you know, just everything around you is just beautiful. You love it. It just makes you feel like, you know, nothing else really matters. Nothing can go wrong without making you feel um, 
stoned like THC would. Um, so it's it's a really cool compound. Um, and again, it's a succulent from South Africa. It's very, very clean, has no background flavor. And uh, yeah, we're excited to basically be the first ones to the market with the drink form of it. You can find gummies and pills out there, which are great. There's a couple guys up in uh, Orlando that they pop out some gummies and they are phenomenal. Um, but uh, we got the drinks out to the market and they are flying off the shelves. Um, and there's three different kinds of that. The Kana has either an uplifting, uh, more balanced kind of mood. So the first of the uplifting one's kind of like white cradle. You know, it has that energy, a little bit of focus, but it's it's a little bit different feeling. The balanced one is more like the green kratom effect, a little more euphoric and a little less energy, but not a sedative. And then the heavy one was more relaxing, um, a little bit euphoric, but a little bit more relaxing. So it's kind of more like the red cradle. But when you put all three of them together, the synergistic effect of them, it gives it this really big euphoria without making you too energized or making you too tired. So it basically enhances the balanced one in the middle and uh, it has a really great effect. Um, people love it. Um, and uh, a lot of people see relief of specific symptoms utilizing that. Um, in Africa, they use it as an aphrodisiac um, and a, uh, you know, enhancement in the bedroom, you would say. Um, or they also use it for longevity of uh, energy and hunting. So it's very traditionally used over there, but um, it's getting around the world now and more people are finding out about it. So it's uh, exciting, to say the least. Wow. It all of it just makes me, I mean, that's just fascinating. Like all the different things that you guys have your hands in. Like it, it, it sounds like I, I have, I kind of understand what, what you're refer having a base knowledge in Kratom helps me understand what you're talking about with Kava and, and, and Kana, I guess would be the easy way to say it. But like, I, it's really, really neat to think about, to think about other plant uh, herbs in that way. And like, um, how you're mixing it with the juice, the body thing, like with the juice, I can definitely attest the fact that the seltzers don't do it for me. <laughs> I've tried one before yeah. and it's like, it's fine, but it's like, there's, there's no oomph, you know, it's gotta have yeah. something there, you know? So that's, it leaves that you sounds, wanting. Yeah. It leaves you wanting. Exactly. Um, wow. That's so interesting. And also just, wow. So interesting. Um, I'm going to let you go. I'm sure you're busy. Um, thank you so, so much. And this, again, this was master brewer, James Jones, a botanical brewing company. And thank you, James. Thank you, Jamie. I appreciate you having me on and, uh, wish you the best with this. You have a great, great, uh, thing going on here. Thank you. And I, I will put the link to their website in the, uh, description of this episode. So everybody go check it out. It will be there.